The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers, Jean Batten Drive, Mount Monganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old aeroplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicfliersnz.com. The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. I've just spent a couple of days with the friendly people of the Piako Gliding Club, based at Wakaroa Airfield near Matamata. The first day I spent with them was on the 10th of July, which turned out to be the perfect day to be there, because around 60 people or more turned up to go gliding, and I believe they did 22 toes on the day, with gliders from Matamata and several down from Auckland taking off to go run the ridge along the Kaimai Hills. I took the opportunity to record with several members of the club. The first one I spoke to was one of their youngest, Aidan Cartwright. G'day, my name's Aidan. I'm 14 years old. I am very enthusiastic with gliding and aviation. Uh, I'm one of the youngest members of Piaco Gliding Club, age 14. Um, yeah. When did you start, Aiden? When did you start with the club? Uh, I started flying with Dad just in the back seat about late 2019, and I started learning to fly about a year ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you're currently going through the training process? Yep, so I'm about halfway, two-thirds of the way through the A syllabus, which is to solo. Um, I think I've got about eight or nine hours in the logbook, and usually you solo within five and fifteen. Okay. Yeah. 
so is there an age limit on soloing? Uh, usually with gliding there's not, um, but this club I think has a policy that you have to be 16 years old. Unless you're good enough, uh, they'll let you go at 15. Okay, so yeah. you've got maybe a year to go. I've probably got about a year to go with my current situation, and being it's winter, I won't be flying as often as I would be in summertime. So I would suspect this summer I'll probably get pretty close to soloing. Okay. So um, just tell me about the experience of gliding. Um, it's it's really cool. It's a lot different to powered flying. You know, you get the freedom, the sense of freedom that you don't get in powered flying. Uh, it's quiet. Um, obviously easier because you don't have to worry about the engine. Um, yeah, it's just it's a whole different experience to powered flying altogether. Um, cheaper, a lot cheaper. Uh, there's there's multiple different ways of launching. There's a winch launch which costs about fifteen dollars, fifteen fifteen hundred foot tow, and then there's the the actual tow plane itself, is a, which is a lot more. Um, depending on if you're a club member, you'll get it cheaper than if you're a trial flighter. Um, club members, I think, they only pay for the tow, which is about forty dollars, and then straight after that, you're just paying for your flight time, so it's a dollar a minute. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's pretty economic. Uh, it is for, very for a young economic. guy like yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's it's a really good way to sort of it's a great sort of starter for aviation. Um, it's easier than just going straight to powered flying. I've heard from many experienced glider pilots and powered pilots. Um, yeah, lots recommend gliding at the very start. Yeah. So you um, you mentioned that. Uh, you started flying with your dad, uh, yeah. Gareth. Um, how long has he been gliding? Uh, I think he started about 2004, so okay. about 20 years roughly, yeah. but but less. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you use a um, you use a, a club glider? Yep. So we've got two Puhots gliders. You know, they're just standard two-seater gliders. They're good for training. Really good for spin training. Um, we used to have a PW6, I think it was, ZKGPK, um, but that had a, a landing accident a few years ago. So we're just down to the two Puhots now. Yeah. Yeah. And the the club itself, uh, you mentioned you're one of the youngest, but uh, I guess there's all ages here. Yep. So obviously I won't go into how old the oldest member is, but there's a huge wide variety of age group members. I mean, I think the youngest is 11 or 12. Um, yeah, it's it's grown a lot more than it was 10 years ago. Uh, I used to be the only really youth member with my dad. Uh, I think now there's nine youth members, the oldest being 21. Cool. Yeah. Good. And uh, Matamata is quite a, a renowned place for gliding. It is. Uh, so tell me about what makes it so special in terms of the, the terrain here. Yeah, so I'd say it's probably the best site in the North Island. Um, it's got a long runway which suits the winch really well. Uh, obviously it's got the Kaimo Rangers just a few k's away, which is always good for ridge practice. Obviously not as good as, say, Omarama for example, um, but for the North Island it's exceptional. Yeah. So you're a glider pilot um, and you're obviously pretty young, but you've got uh, other interests in aviation as well? Oh yeah, I'm quite enthusiastic in the warbird scene. Um, 
I really want to become a member of NZ Warbirds, uh, but their age limit I think is 16, so I have to wait a few years for their for that. Um, during the holidays, just started today actually, um, I'm going to be becoming a volunteer member at Classic Flyers in Tauranga. Cool. Um, but yeah, I've been enthusiastic in aviation since uh, two years old because we grew up quite close to Ardmore and while well, mum was busy looking after the young one, dad would take me out for the afternoon and would sit at the cafe and watch planes taking off and landing and would have a look in the hangars and so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really in my blood. Yeah. And you're in the Young Eagles as well? I'm in the Young Eagles at Waikid Aviation, which is once a month, and it's really just going for flights in Cessna 172s and Piper Archers, uh, flying places like Raglan, Tokodoa, ATC. Um, yeah, and there's other ground-based activities like tours and the maintenance hangars at Hamilton Airport and going up the control tower and having a look, which is all pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So... If there's other uh, young people like yourself out there who'd like to become a member, or, or at least just get involved or come and have a have a fly, yep. um, tell me about that. Yeah, so I highly recommend anyone who who's young, not just young, but young especially, who wants to get involved with aviation for cheaper costs than otherwise would have been for powered flying. Um, I highly recommend it, yeah, from my experiences. And, and, yep. and what should they do? Um... Well, just wherever you are, just find your closest gliding club, really, and just get in touch with them, explain who you are, how old you are, what you want to do, sort of stuff. Yeah. Cool. Next, I talked with Aidan's father, Gareth Cartwright. Name's Gareth Cartwright. And you're, um, you're a member of the club here? Yeah. You're yeah. a glider pilot? Yeah. Uh, how long have you been doing it? Uh, so this is my second stint at it. Uh, I was a member of the Manawatu Club for about five years uh, in the early 2000s. Yep. Um, and it's uh, got to, uh, nearly qualified and then kids and mortgages showed up and so had about a nine year gap and now back into it for about four years. Okay. Five years. Yeah. And um, obviously you're Aidan's dad and yeah. uh, you got him into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, that was all based on um, when our second child arrived. Uh, needed to give mum and the baby a bit of space, so Aidan and I would go out to Ardmore uh, on Sundays usually. Um, and I think he just fell in love with aviation there. And then when we moved down to Cambridge, um, Aidan would just come out with me and hang out while I was a uh, duty pilot or, or, or flying gliders. And then probably about a year and a half, he decided to start flying. So. Awesome. Did you have any other aviation background before you got into gliding? So I had a, uh, yeah, my dad flies remote control planes. Um, and I had a great uncle um, who flew in Catalinas in World War Two. Yeah. Uh, he's a flight engineer in the Catalina. And and he was, uh, he was fairly passionate about aviation as well. So, yeah, as a kid, I'd go hang out on his farm in summer break and we'd go flying. He flew remote control planes too. But yeah we'd we'd go around to the go around to the air shows and what have you. Uh, yeah. But you've not done any powered flying, you're just a glider pilot or Yeah, no I haven't. I've um I got given a Harvard flight for my eighteenth birthday. Um and I've just had one introductory flight 
to learn you know, how to dart more when I was 15. Yep. Uh, but apart from that, it's been all gliding. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So what is it about gliding that you love? Uh, well, I think about it, it's sort of, you do power flying to get somewhere, usually. Yeah, you, know, you might uh, do you know, a multi-stop trip through New Zealand. Uh, for me, it's, it's gliding is just all about flying. Um, there's a challenge to it as well, to try and stay up and to get somewhere and back. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of, it feels to me like it's more of an art form than a skill in terms of being able to read the weather, um, try and understand where the, where the airlift is going to be, um, whether it's on the ridge or a thermal day. Um, so just getting up and staying up for a couple of hours, that's a pretty fulfilling flight. And in respect to that, uh, they call the gliders sailplanes, and it is like sailing where you have to read the weather and read the wind, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, we have a lot of um, a lot of our members uh, are also uh, sailors, uh, and and I think you know, we're doing it for the same reason, you know, whether it's on the water or, or in the air. Um, so we spend a long time when you're learning to fly, learning how to read the weather, and making sure you're doing that safely. Um, you told me earlier about the aspect where we look out here uh, is toward the Kaimai Ranges and you were saying that there's certain points along there that the uh, glider pilots uh, have names for them. Can you t explain that? Yeah, sure. So um, basically we have uh, points on the ridge. Uh, this is mostly for safety because on a good ridge day, and it looks like it's building today, uh, you know, we could have seven, eight, nine gliders all within the same airspace, roughly the same height, and all flying at sort of 70 to 100 knots um, at opposing uh, direction as well. So we need to be uh, pretty hot on our on our radio calls, mm -hmm. and so we use some um, some points on the ridge to uh, tell other people where we are. Uh, so, for example, there's one down there close to the um, road over to Tauranga that we call the golf ball. It's a big satellite dish up there. Uh, there's the nursery hills just further to the north, uh, which is a, a part of the range that's very um, uh, provides very calm, uh, reliable wind uh, updrafts. Uh, just to the north of that, there's one called the High Point, which is not surprisingly the highest point of the of the ridge. Uh, we have the uh, tunnel, uh, railway tunnel, just to the south of that. And then there's a there's a rocky outcrop just before you get to Mount Tiaraha that's called the Māori Lady just because it looks a little bit like a face in profile. So uh, usually we're we're calling uh, making our calls in relations to to one of those one of those landscape features. Okay. Now I don't know that much about gliding, so can you kind of uh, explain to me about how you use the the ridge uh, to to you know keep airborne in a glider? So yeah, so a ridge a ridge day is is um, typically uh, the type of flying we do um, in the off season. So sort of uh, late summer through to early spring. Actually, spring is quite a quite a good season for ridge lift. So if we have a a, a west to southwesterly wind, uh, usually so uh, a good ridge day is a, a westerly or a southwesterly wind, usually above ten to fifteen knots, um, and basically the 
it's just the the wind is is hitting the ridge uh, pretty much perpendicular to the ridge, 90 degrees to the ridge, and is is just needing to lift over the over the ridge line to to uh, keep moving. Yeah. Um, so we'll get down close to the ridge line, usually within. Well, if you want to go super fast, you're within a few hundred feet of the ridge. Um, if you if you just want to have a, 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 a nice gentle flight that isn't too bumpy, then you, you might could even be a thousand feet off off the top of the ridge or out in front of it. Okay. Uh, there is something called a pressure wave, so you can actually be quite a fair way off the ridge uh, and still get plenty of lift. Okay. If it's really humming, um, we can get something called wave flight, uh, where basically there's a it's almost like a harmonic type arrangement where the the, the wind is crashing over the backside of, of the of the ridge and then bouncing back up again. Um, and we do get wave here reasonably often. Uh, in which case, yeah, we can get uh, wave flight up to 30,000 feet off off this ridge. Okay. And you can get that on an easterly day too. So in that in that scenario, the uh, the wave will be literally right above our airfield, but. Um, uh, you need quite a brave tow pilot to tow you through. It's quite turbulent underneath that wave, yeah. so uh, it, it takes a bit of skill to hook into a wave. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you were saying that's the off season you use the ridge, but um, uh, summer you're looking for thermals, aren't you? Yeah. So this this valley is is quite good by New Zealand standards for for thermals. Um, we. Um, we, we can get quite a few convergences here, so we've got the east coast, the west coast, and we've got the first of Thames. Um, so on a, on a summer's day, we'll, we'll get thermals from about 11 o'clock um, through till maybe 4 or 5, maybe up to 6 o'clock that evening. Um, but usually at some point in the afternoon we get a, a sea breeze, and that can come from the east, the west, or the north, uh, and when we get that, uh, quite often there's a line of thermals that gets formed and if you're really lucky you can get lines so you can actually move along a line of cloud and then skip over into the next line okay. um, so yeah we have we have glider you know the our, our competition glider pilots can do 300 400 kilometer flights off off this field wow. okay. um, we, we, we hold a competition here most most years and um, quite often they'll set tasks that'll take the pilots down to Taupo um, and up north to to Mercer uh, or or Miranda, yep. um, and sometimes up up halfway up the Coromandel as well. Okay. So they're fairly fairly lengthy flights. Right. So do you get into the competition stuff yourself? Uh, no, not personally. Um, it's it's a it's an, it can be an expensive exercise. You yeah. need your own glider usually. Um, yeah. Uh, there are a couple of club gliders available, um, but you need to do a lot of hours uh, in, in those to make sure that you're, you know, you're going to fly them safely uh, while flying them quickly. I, I guess if you're travelling um, 400 kilometres and you're paying a dollar, was a dollar a minute or so with the club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get a, uh, you can ask permission to use the club glider in a, in a competition, um, and then you get a day rate. So it's okay. I mean, the other thing that ha can happen quite regularly is you land out because you're trying to fly so fast, and sometimes you get low and slow, and that's the end of the day. So you you don't want to be paying a dollar a minute when you're landing out. Yeah. Yeah, but we do. I mean, we have um, 
we'll, we'll have club members. We've got three single seaters, and we'll have a club member and usually two of those for any competition that we run here. Okay. Um, yeah, we're at this stage. Our two training gliders aren't that good for racing. Their performance isn't up to it. Um, but we've got a few syndicate gliders here, like the Duro Discus that's sitting out on the runway at the moment. Where We'll have one pilot from that syndicate that wants to go racing and if there's another club member that wants to sit in the back and experience racing then, then they can do that. Yep. So I've done that a few times too. It's a it's a good way of learning. Right. To my untrained eye, um, gliders the design of gliders hasn't really changed much in the in the last few decades. I mean my my dad was a, a model glider pilot and he had things like the Nimbus and Stuff like that, and you still see those type of that design, that sort of design mm. in the gliders today. Yep. Uh, um, you know, you look at any aircraft; there's sort of always a bit of a development. And um, did the did gliding design sort of peak early? And, and this, you know, they've they've perfected it. We've had, I guess, we had a bit of a um, a moment there in the 1970s where we moved from wooden fabric to fiberglass. Yep. Um, and so the 1970s and 80s were very fast development on fiberglass gliders. Yep. And we've literally just had one towed out now that's a 1980s design, single seat um, Astaire. Um, and we run competitions now with handicaps so that uh, you could fly a 15 metre 1980s designed glider and still be competitive against a brand new um, you know, two-seater that's got considerably better performance. Most of the developments have been in the airfoils. Oh, okay. um, so like that 1980s Aster there, which was cutting edge back then and was a racing glider, it's got a single airfoil all the way out the wing. Yeah. Um, the newer ones, like this Joy Discus that's sitting out, it's got four different airfoils on each side of the wing. Right. Um, so the, the we, we, we tend to measure it in lift-drag ratio. So uh, the, the single Aster out there would have a lift to drag ratio about 38 to 1 so for every metre down it'll fly forwards 38 metres yep. when you're flying at the best speed um, that gyro discus that's sitting out there will be at about 46 to 1 um, and the latest uh, aircraft are all uh, gliders you can get up to 55 to 1 so okay. that, you know, that, that is considerably better well the other thing that's changed is we're flying gliders much faster than we used to. Yeah. So the best speed for that Astaire would be around 52, 55 knots. That's its, its best lift to drag ratio. Um, where these newer gliders, uh, once you put water in the wings and all that sort of thing, getting nice and heavy, they'll be they'll be flying at 75, 80 knots. Right, okay. So that, all the all the technology has been put into racing. Basically, making gliders fly faster. Yep. So that, that's where the technology's at. Okay. So my impression is completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't. They don't look that different. Yeah. But it, it's it's all mostly in the in the wings yeah. and, and the tail configuration. Is there's a lot of fine tuning. I I think it's probably fair to say that the scale of development is slowing down. Yeah. Um. So we're looking at. It's a bit like the America's Cup yachts. You're looking for that last five percent yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. That that's where we're at yeah. until we have a, a revolution of some description. I have no idea what that will be, but yeah. yeah. 
Another thing that I've always had the impression of is most of the gliders seem to be German or Belgian or uh, Polish or something. It's a very European thing, isn't it? And um, Is there any sort of um, New Zealand input into the design? Has there ever been a a good glider that was New Zealand designed or, or even from anywhere else in the world or is it all sort of a European thing? Um, I don't know about New Zealand. I know uh, back in the early 2000s, late 90s, there was a, an attempt made. It was a, um, a flying wing design. You know, it didn't have a tail. All right. um, it, that got pretty close to uh, becoming um, you know, commercialised. Um, by and large, it, it is Europe. Uh, the, you know, with the Germans you know, showing their strength in that before World War Two, that's just continued through uh, in the Eastern Europeans as well. Yeah. Uh, the Americans had an all-metal glider for training that was very popular for a while, um, but they've run out of time now and went, went renewed. The only other one that I can think of is a South African uh, company called JS, and they're very much aimed at the racing end of the uh, market too. Okay. So there's quite a few JS1s and 3s uh, in New Zealand now, but I'd say... 80% of the aircraft in New Zealand. I think we've got just over a thousand gliders. The 80% of them would be German. Okay, all oh, right. And uh, tell me a little bit about the um, about the club itself uh, yep. here at here at uh, Piako Gliding Club. Yeah. So this this club was um, formed in the late 50s, I think, from memory, um, and has and has been on the site ever since. Um, it's we're sort of bucking the trend a little bit. Like uh, we've had in the last 20 years, the trend has been an aging uh, membership and slowly declining as a result. Um, but in the last two or three years, we've turned that around. We've started climbing, climbing again. We've got roughly 80. I think we've got 85 members now. Um, about three or four years ago, we had at 70. Um, so. Uh, there's been a big push from gliding New Zealand in general uh, to try and get youth interested in gliding. Yep. Uh, and that is working. Uh, there, there are a few clubs around. I think we've got about seven or eight youth um, uh, members now that are learning to fly. Um, four or five years ago, we might have had two or three. Okay. Um, there's a few other clubs that have done very well with us, like Wellington Club. Um, they've, they've done a great job getting youth involved. And we, we know full well that a lot of these youth will be short-term members. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then they'll need to go and work on their careers and, and saving money for mortgages and what have you. Uh, but there's a there's a long game there. In that, you know, they'll when, come back. They'll come back. Just like uh, Just like clubs and everything else. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe in their 40s, whenever it is, but they've already had the taste, the, the, the hook is in, and they'll come back. So, yeah, we understand the dynamic there. Um, but in the meantime, it brings a lot of energy into the club having the, having the youth around so it's um, no, it's been very good for us yeah excellent excellent and you do uh, trial flights here for someone to come and pay to go for rides as well yep yep um, so I think for CAA reasons we had to we, we can't call them trial flights but we um, yeah basically we've got two training gliders here we're, we're just fundraising for the third one now um, People come out, get a taste. Uh, we give them a certificate that is essentially a temporary membership, so they can come bring that certificate back, and you basically get your first four or five flights 
um, without needing to join. Okay. And so that that's you making sure that you you really are interested, and you get the club rates. For it. So your first flight out here is is the trial rates, which is roughly twice the price of what a club member would would pay, um, and that subsidises the rest of the club operations where you know, we're not for profit and we try to break even every year if we can um, but yeah those trial flights you know we'll get a hit rate of I don't know 10-15% yeah, sometimes it is birthday presents but yeah. um, we, I think we're reasonably good at converting those into, into new members we've okay. done it we've, we've got a very good club captain at the moment who's been chasing those people up and, and getting them into, into memberships Excellent. Uh, and it's it's uh, quite a div- quite a big region. Like we're based here in Matamata, but you know we've got members from Auckland and Rotorua, uh, throughout the Waikato, obviously, um, and right up into Teams Coromandel as well. So they'll they'll drive a long way yeah. to to yeah. come here. So that's, oh, that's good. This is probably one of the this would probably be the best site in the North Island. Omarama down in the south would easily be the best in yep. New Zealand. But uh, in terms of airspace and size of the airfield, um, and and ability to fly long distances in a glider, this is a very good site. This one. Yep. It's nice and central too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to get to. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. The only other thing I was going to ask about uh, right now, Aiden is duty pilot. That's a rostered thing, yep. and uh, you're sitting in front of a computer there, Aiden. Uh, Every flight that goes up, it gets logged. And what's what's this all about? Is that as for CAA or? Yeah, yeah. So we have to re- we have to um, send in quarterly reports on the activity. Uh, yeah, how, how the how the club is performing. Yeah. Um, we use that information too for uh, working out. So we've got um, five gliders in our fleet. So three single seaters and two two seaters. So every year we'll review. We'll review. Uh, the use of those gliders yeah. and making sure that they're all uh, fit for purpose for, yeah. for the um, and we'll also be logging uh, how many hours the tow pilot's done uh, the tow plane's done yeah. um, and so it just gives us a, a, a bit of data there that we can use to, to make sure the club's working the way it should yeah. and that tow pilot's certainly doing a bit of work because he, <laughs> he keeps buttoning yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the um, the other thing with that data, I guess, is it tells the council who own the airfield how much it's been used as well. Is it, does it get used for that? Or? Yeah, um, yeah. We pay. Uh, we've got an agreement with the council here that uh, you know the, there are landing fees for here, and they're monitored by the council. Um, but we'll uh, we just we just pay a flat fee so that um, you know we just based on our, on an average year's worth of. Um, flying, okay, and and that can get corrected as we need to, but it's a, uh, it's convenient for everyone. The council don't want to have someone out here counting all the glider flights. So that includes the tow plane as well. Yep. 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 That's really good since you're not for profit, so you haven't got a lot of money coming in. No, no, and um, yeah, we we do run it on a smell of an oily rag. Yeah. Um, like all our tow pilots, instructors, engineers, duty pilots, everyone's doing this for free. So that no one, no one. There's no paid positions here. Uh, the tow pilots are a real mix. Some of them are retired Air Force pilots. Some of them are young uh, pilots wanting to get their hours up, yep. um, and or get a a, a a rating for tail dragger. 
Um, so then we have retired airline pilots who become instructors or uh, one, one of them's our engineer at the moment. Right. Um, we've got retired Air Force pilots in here as well. So there's a real mix of experience, expertise, um, which yeah, again makes for interesting conversations at the end of the day. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Cool, well thank you very much. All good. I also caught up with the chief tow pilot, Scott Montague, who had a very busy day that day. So I'm speaking with Scott Montague, who is the uh, tow pilot. G'day, how we doing? Good, good. So how did you first get into uh, towing for gliders? Uh, towing for gliders, yes, it's an interesting one. So um, I've been I've done a few years of flying and then I um, started pursuing a super cub rating. Um, and during that rating at the end of it, the instructor said, have you thought about towing? And I hadn't even crossed my mind. Um, so he put us in connection with the Piaco Gliding Club and uh, it all happened from there. Okay, how long ago was that? Would have been five years ago. Okay. Yeah. And you're now the chief tow pilot. Chief tow pilot. Yeah. Out of how many pilots are there on the roster? So we've got 14 tow pilots. So that's a big. That's a big amount, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a. It's a bit of. Um, it's it's pretty cruisy managing it through the winter, but in summertime, we're almost sort of flying every day from November, December, January, most of Feb with competitions, gliding clamps, uh, all that carry on. So through the summertime, it gets busy. Right. Okay. Um, and you've got one aircraft. Correct, yeah, it's a one tow plane, and it's a Piper Pawnee, um, 260 horsepower. Yeah. Cool, it's a really cool old machine, I, it, I love this aircraft. Yeah, it's it's a really great platform for towing, it's um, it's it's powerful, it's stable, it's basically made for um, taking off and landing all the time, um, and all the glider pilots really enjoy towing behind it. It's got plenty of power uh, because obviously it was a, designed as an agricultural aircraft. Did this one um, actually do ag work before? Yeah, so this this was built in the States in 1982 and then it went almost straight to Italy where it sprayed grapes for a couple of years. Okay. And then it moved on to Switzerland where a gliding club purchased it. Um, and then it was converted to a tow plane. Um, so all the spray gear was removed, the tow hook was fitted, and a CSU prop was fitted, and uh, then it's been towing gliders uh, ever since. Okay, cool. Um, so how long has this one been here with the with the club? Uh, it'll be coming into its fourth year of service. Okay, and it replaced another Pawnee, didn't it? Another Pawnee. So um, our last Pawnee ZK BZA, uh, rest in peace, it almost did 59 and a half years of work. And that was 49 years of towing for our gliding club. Uh, didn't quite make 50 years, but that's that's you, you think about that and working for 59 years in the Waikato is a hell of a feat for an aircraft. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and that aircraft is still um, still exists. Correct. Uh, but it's uh, no longer flying, and it's with John Hanson. That's right. Yeah. So uh, John Hanson, he bought the fuselage, and um, yeah, so he is. He's got it in his hangar over towards Parongia, and he's hoping to make it into a museum piece, which yeah. would be really cool. Really cool. Um, there's not many of them flying now, is there? There's got to be a handful left in New Zealand. I think there might be six, maybe seven flying. 
compared to yesteryear when um, I remember John Hanson telling me there was uh, about 10 Pawnees operating just out of Rangiora. Yeah. Incredible, so, isn't it? Yeah, think yeah. About it. yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's just progress with time. Um, uh, the Fletchers came in, the Crescos came in, and they're just better platforms for what they're doing. And most of the Pawnees transitioned into gliding clubs, and um, yeah, now they're still great platforms, but they are fairly expensive to keep and operate. Yeah, yeah. Um, although, when you say that, like the actual price to be towed. If you're a glider pilot, it's not really that bad, is it? It's not too bad. Um, so we we charge about seventy bucks for a two thousand foot tow, and if you get a good day, you can stay up with that all day long. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. as I've seen today, because there's there's pilots who took off sort of eleven o'clock this morning, and they're still up now. And I hope they're still up. Now. Well, yeah. We hope yeah, but that will land in the paddock. <laughs> yeah. So they've been up for hours. Yeah. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, what are the what are the techniques? What is the technique for towing a glider uh, as compared to just a normal takeoff? Um, so technique for going towing a glider, obviously you've got a uh, another aircraft tied to you um, with a 55 metre rope. So you've you've got a bit more to manage. Um, you've you've basically got to provide a nice stable platform for the glider pilot. Um, tow at their airspeed. So each glider has a different airspeed. Whether you're a, uh, a light single or a heavy twin, um, the, the speeds can vary quite a bit. Um, so you've got to uh, be on top of that, and um, yeah. So you, you've got obviously a couple of mirrors on the left-hand wing. So you've, you've got a bit to manage. You've got to make sure they're sort of doing what they should be doing and keep an eye on your engine management, um, airspeed, um, keep an eye on your release height, where the relative thermal is, where you're going to drop them off into it. Um, and then you obviously sort of start planning your return route back to the field to pick up the next one. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bit going on. It's, it can be a busy day. You've usually got a fair bit of traffic to look out for as well and listen out for. Um, so yeah, it, can, it makes a beer taste good uh, after a day's towing, yeah. <laughs> and when you come back to the field, you've still got your rope uh, dangling behind you and that's what, about 200, 150 feet? Yeah, about 150 feet, yeah. So obviously you've got to have a few more feet um, when you cross the boundary fence. So we normally pass over with about 130 foot clearance, which seems to be enough, yeah. yeah. And then you come down nice and steep to get on the ground as well. Nice and steep, get on the ground, pull it up short and um, turn it around and grab the next one. So it's... Um an egg plane like this is really the perfect kind of thing for, for this kind of flying lots of landings lots of sort of um, you know steep flying that sort of thing yeah lots of cycles you can you can bring it around nice and steep and slow and it's got lots of drag so it does come down quick it doesn't float too much um, and it's, it's it's a really fun machine to do it and you can see why they did do pretty well with them in, um, in the egg days yeah yep. so um, have you had any incidents or weird things happen when you've been towing um, yeah, so there's, there's always one that sort of uh, springs to mind and um, that's when we're taking off and the air brakes weren't quite locked on the glider and the glider did a bounce, the air brakes opened up and um, <laughs> yeah, we sort of came into a, 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 a method where we weren't really climbing at all. Um, oh, wow. But luckily the glider pilot caught it and yeah, we got away from it. But. Oh, okay. So um, what else... Do you do an aviation? I know you're a recreational pilot. Yep. Um, so I've got a little Corby Starlet, or it's a Corby Kestrel. And it's a metal 
Corby Starlet. Um, and so, yeah, and no, I'm fairly active in that scene. Um, we've got a little group. We all cruise around together and uh, do pie runs and burger runs. Uh, so we have a, a lot of fun um, flying around with the other Corby Starlets and um, cruising up and down the coastlines and South Island trips. And, yeah, we, we have a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah. Are you in the Aero Club or anything like that, or do you just do your own thing? Um, no, so I'm in the Aero Club. Um, so whatever flying's happening, I'll sort of you'll you'll most likely see me there. Yeah. Um, so you know, I cruise around the um, the Upper North Island fair, um, airfields a fair bit. Just, yep. Yeah, it's good fun. Cool. Good bunch of people. Um, with uh, you said you've got 14 pilots in the in the uh, on the roster from yep. the tow plane. Um, are you looking for more pilots? Are you always looking out for new pilots or? Um, yeah, so we sort of have a bit of a uh, revolving cycle of pilots, so to say. Um, so you might get one or two that sort of uh, gets jobs elsewhere, yeah. which means they can't tow or they retire. Um, so you're constantly trying to sort of feed new blood into the system. Um, and yeah, so no, it's, it's good. So yeah, like 14, 15 tow pilots is a pretty good number. It, um, it doesn't uh, let... Um, a few tow pilots do all the work, you know, so it spreads the load. Yeah, it's nice. Do you guys all get paid for it, or? Um, yeah, you might get a free beer at the end of the day, but um, no. So it's it's a club. It's a non-profit organisation, and um, you get to fly old classic aircraft like the Pawnee, which yeah. It's, so you're basically building hours that the collider pilots are paying for, really. Yeah, you? pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it's free flying, and it, and it's fun flying. Um, it's, it's really enjoyable towing. Um, there's a real good bunch of people around the gliding club, um, and with competitions, it, um, it makes for a bloody good day out. Cool. And have you done any gliding yourself? Oh, I've, I've only done a handful of glider flights, yeah. It's, I think it's one of those things that if I continued doing it, <laughs> it, would, it would probably uh, drive me to glide a lot more. And uh, I'm pretty time poor at the moment yeah. with running sort of two aircraft, so um, yeah. yeah, having a third in there would um yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing other relationships as well no doubt yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool um is there anything we've sort of missed with towing um, um yeah i mean like we've got a pretty good broad range of tow pilots um we've got um 787 pilots we've got x triple seven captains um air force pilots who used to fly um Iroquois helicopters, the Skyhawks, um, so they, they're all flying for um, uh, in the Pawnee now. Um, seven, three, seven freighter captains, um, yeah, they um, and, and they, they come back and get back to grassroots and they love it, yeah. Cool, that's, yeah. that's a real wealth of experience. And, it's, it's massive. And, and I guess everyone who has those different um, varied backgrounds, you're all learning off each other as well as you, yeah, you catch up. Yeah, that's it, like you, you learn so much just over having a chat or having a beer with someone and it's um it's, it's pretty amazing that the flying experience that they have sort of tucked away and yeah when they bring these stories out it's um yeah it's pretty cool so the tow the tow pilots are almost a club within the club really aren't they pretty much yeah yeah you know it's it's, it's good fun and, and we've got a, a big range of people from tow pilots in the 70s through to tow pilots in the early 20s and uh, late teens so yeah it's, it's cool that's awesome yeah you've done a lot of flights today just by yourself and um Yeah, like sort of um, during the winter, obviously the thermals drop off. But if we get a good westerly and it 
blows up on the Kaimai Ranges, you get that sort of mountain wave effect, and um, they all they all haul out there and surf it essentially. And um, so yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been good. 14 toes in the in the in the Pawnee today. So wow. it's is that many? Wow. Yeah, it stacks up quick, and oh, awesome. it's good fun. You get into a rhythm, and it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks very much, Scott. No worries. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. And I had the pleasure to speak with one of the instructors of the club, Derek Shipley. Oh, hello there. I'm uh, Derek Shipley, an instructor here at uh, Piaco Gliding Club. Cool. And uh, uh, how long have you been with the club? Um, joined in 2016. So okay. About five years. And how long have you been gliding? About five years. I, I had dipped my toe in the water a few times before, but never really continuously and uh, it was actually accidental that I um, came across the gliding here. I came down to the airfield with my brother-in-law to look at uh, remote controlled aircraft and uh, it was quite fortuitous because um, um, it's just a very very enjoyable club and it's a very very enjoyable pastime. Yeah. Okay, uh, have you um, done any other flying before? Yeah, so um, I was lucky, uh, my, my dad was a pilot and he taught me to fly so my first entries in my logbook I was about 14 um, which is old by Aiden standards, but um, yeah. seemed pretty young at the time. Um, and almost um, as a matter of default, I ended up flying commercially. And so I gave that up at 55. Thought I'd finished with flying, but the gliding's a whole new, um, a whole new take on uh, flying, and it's uh, it's reinvigorated my interest in it. Yeah. So, what were you flying commercially? Um, a variety of aeroplanes. I started on a King Air. Um, I flew uh, BAC 111, these are all aeroplanes that are in museums now, um, Boeing 707, um, British Aerospace 146 and I ended up on a 737 which is a sort of run of the mill commuter aircraft these days. Yeah. Okay, so how many instructors are here at the club? That's a good question, I would think there's about 10 of us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, how often would you be taking students up? So um, I have good free time and um, so I actually fly on virtually all of the gliding days. If someone wants to fly and needs an instructor then I'd be available on all those days, it benefits me. Um, I also, when people join the club I'm happy to offer them continuity in the training to start with and so you know, if they can fly Saturday, I can be here Saturday, and I think it's quite good in the early stages to have that continuity. Um, but otherwise, the the, the gliding uh, the club has a roster, and um, uh, people probably rostered to instruct probably twice a month. Okay. Um, the club's really nicely set up for um, young people as well. They don't um, uh, they don't pay for the glider, so all they pay for up until the age of 24 is, is um, the launch that they that they have so if you have a winch it's $20 yep. um, and you can get nearly up to 2,000 feet on a really good day um, and for the equivalent of an aerotow which would be up to 2,000 feet um, you would pay $66 right. so so the winch launch works out 
very economic. The downside of the winch launch is um, it's a very local launch, so if you yeah. can't find any lift immediately, then you're probably coming back into land, yeah. whereas an aerotow can take you sort of more to where the lift is. Right, okay. So, yeah. But I mean, where else can you go flying for that kind of money? I mean, it's yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit, uh, it's a long time since I've, I've paid for the gliding when I've done gliding, but um, it's a long time since I've paid for power flight, but uh, I almost don't like to ask what the numbers are now. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So could you sort of uh, tell me um, what does gliding mean to you, like what the experience of gliding? Um, it's like a lot of things that uh, put you in amongst the elements. Um, I've done some sailing, I'm not particularly competent at it, but I've sailed with people who are good at it. Um, and so I've done a lot of power flying and the difference between gliding and power flying is the difference between, if you'll pardon me a little bit, being a little bit um, um, colourful, it's the difference between prose and poetry. So with a power plane you drive yourself where you're going and it's as simple as that. Um, I, I talk in terms of going to a cup of coffee, so you, you, you take a power plane and you go and have a coffee at uh, Thames, okay? Uh, if I say to you there's a cup of coffee for you and you've got to go in a glider and get there, you think, geez, am I going to get to that coffee? And the challenge is totally different and it's permanent and um, one of the things I enjoy most about the gliding is the contests, uh, competition gliding. And to use the word contest competition is to overstate the feeling of competition. It's actually a, more of a kind of rally where everybody's doing their best with the weather available um, to, to make the best flight they can. And it's a very, very supportive environment. Um, I call it camping with gliding. Uh, if you like camping and you like gliding, you've really, you know, you're pretty well made up. And uh, it's actually, it, you know, it's been, um, you know, to say I, um, started the gliding when I didn't expect to. I couldn't have expected to enjoy um, it and the people in it as much as I have. You know, just it just. I don't know whether that's very specific to New Zealand or partly specific to New Zealand, but it is just the case in New Zealand. It's very. It's a great setup at this moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what would you say to someone who's thinking about going for a glide flight or? It out. Yeah, by all means do it. Um, so we have a trial flight system um, where, um, I'm just looking up at the board there, so you could take an aerotow to 2,000 feet and it would cost you $160, okay? Uh, you and I have met, okay? So um, if I met you and I thought you were interested in going gliding, I'd say don't bother with that. Um, just give, I'll, give me your number, I'll call you on a day when it's suitable. We could probably take a 2,000 foot tow and stay up for an hour. So that would cost you, um, that flight there, $160, would, would probably have you in the air for um, 10 to 15 minutes. We could go up for, and that's $160, and you and I could go up in the air for an hour for $130. Okay, okay so it works out quite well. So what I would encourage people to do is find someone at the, the gliding club who will take them up, and you can give people my number. I'm more than happy to take people up, but there's any number of people who do that. Um, sure. And just go have a look at it. and. Um, you know, the, the fascination of it is continuous. It's, um, like I say, uh, I think the best bang for buck in learning to fly a powered aeroplane is getting to solo. Bang for buck, okay? That's not the case with gliding. It is, there's no doubt about it, it's a, a real achievement, it's a milestone to do it, but you're only just opening it up when you do that. Staying up in the air, making distance over the ground, 
Um, it's just it, it, every minute that goes by offers a different challenge, and um, and like I say, it's dealing with the elements, and it's it has a fascination of its own. There there are people here who are still gliding in the 70s who learned as teenagers, and uh, you, you, you know it's. it's Compare it to fishing, if you like. You know, people love fishing. You don't know when the fish are going to bite. You don't know where they are. It's it's just continuous. You know, it's you know, it's, it's that kind of it's that kind of um, it's that kind of grip that it, that it puts on people. Yeah. You make it sound almost like ballooning, the same sort of uh, thing. Yes, um, I don't know a lot about ballooning. Um, I can certainly uh, I can certainly relate to the fascination of it. Um, and yes, you're very much even more so in a balloon you're, you're a hostage to the conditions yeah 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 fantastic you've done some of that as well by the sound of it no i haven't That's oh one of okay the things I haven't yeah done. okay uh one day yeah <laughs> one day yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, cool well thank you very much oh you're very welcome dave it's nice to meet you and uh it's great work i returned to matamata today on the 24th of july to catch up with the club president iggy wood who wasn't there two weeks ago when I visited the club. It was another cracking day and I managed to sit down with Iggy in the sunshine and have a chat. Yeah, I'm sitting here with Iggy Wood. Hi Iggy. Good morning Dave, how are you going? Good, good. So you're the president of the Piako Gliding Club? I am, yes, and I've been doing that for um, a few years now. I think, it's, I think this is my seventh term uh, as president. Uh, so uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoying it. Excellent. So how long have you actually been in the club? Um, the Piaco Gliding Club, about 10 years, maybe 12 uh, years all up, and, uh, but before that in other clubs around New Zealand. Okay, yeah. and how far back does your gliding go? Um, first solo in June 65. Wow. Um, that's 1965 <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, at Ardmore in the Auckland Gliding Club. Okay, yeah. so you would have been quite a young fellow then? Uh, yes, school age, just 16. Yeah. Yep. And that's before you joined the Air Force then? Yes, it was. I did um, two years or so, two and a half years of gliding before I joined the Air Force, yes. Okay. So do you think that the gliding helped uh, when you went into the Air Force? Did that have a good background? Um, yes and no. Uh, two aspects to that. One is that I was a bit familiar with being in the air, um, and uh, but it was a different concept rather than the strict uh, military discipline of, of flying. And it was, took me a little while to adapt to that. Now, I think it gave me the advantage for about the first 40 to 50 hours of a wings course, which is 230 hours long. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, you know, everyone sort of, uh, the people who were going to progress uh, had uh, caught up and those who hadn't had fallen by the wayside. Okay. But uh, it was quite different, you know, one aspect. If we're in a glider and we're going between two places and we're gaining height, that's good. Yeah. Okay, when you're in the Air Force and you're flying along and you're meant to be at 4,000 or 4,500 feet and you gain height, that's not good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so there's those, those bits to, uh, to get used to, yes. Okay. Were you doing any other fixed wing flying at all uh, outside of your Air Force training? Uh, no, uh, no, not until after I'd completed the wings course. Okay. And um, while you were in the Air Force, did you continue gliding? Yes, I did. Um, much to the uh, raised eyebrows of a few um, because the, the protocol was that the Air Force didn't like you doing powered flying or flying lessons um, or experience 
Now, they waived it a bit for people who already had private pilot's licenses and that sort of thing, uh, but for someone like me who did not have any license, um, it was, uh, would have been frowned upon a bit, but um, they reneged and my gliding was not frowned on too heavily. In other words, it's allowed to continue. Right, okay, yep. okay. Uh, and I guess um, you would have been amongst the most disciplined of pilots because you went on to become a fighter pilot and you flew, flew the Skyhawks. Yes, there's a, a discipline there. It's mainly self-discipline. Um, now, uh, was there anything that uh, tested the boundaries of that discipline? Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but then that's the sort of person that you want who can go to the limits, um, but uh, hopefully not beyond, and also able uh, to recover uh, from it if they uh, exceed their own personal limits for a bit. So when you go into the limit, you, you actually know where you are and, uh, yes. and, and what to do to get out of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell me a bit about the, the club. Um, I've talked with a few of the members here, and yes. it seems like a really happy bunch. Yes, it is a, a very happy bunch. Um, we have 90-odd uh, members on the books now, but a number of those are associates or uh, non-flying members and tow pilot members, uh, not all um, yeah, it's the model aircraft yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, club flying here from the aerodrome. Yes, so, um, uh, and we're probably at about um, 60 active flying members. That's fantastic. And that's, um, a number of them are club members only who don't own a glider. Yep. Uh, and then there are probably about 20 odd gliders here on the airfield that are privately owned, either by individuals or by a syndicate. Yep. But they all operate under the control and auspices of the Piaco Gliding Club. Do you, do you own your own one? No, no, I wish I could, yeah. uh, but uh, no, that's uh, beyond me. Yeah, yeah so uh, your, your role as president, what are your duties uh, with the club? Well, it's to make sure that it's uh, properly run. Yeah, being president of a club such as this is, um, uh, it's, it can be onerous, uh, but in this case it is not because the club officers that I have, the chief gliding instructor, the treasurer, the secretary, uh, the club captains and so on, and the person who looks after the maintenance, whether it be uh, aircraft or we have another one who looks after our winch, and they're all very capable, responsible, and doing their job properly. And so it makes being the president um, tolerable, more than tolerable, makes it enjoyable. Right. Yeah. That's good. Uh, now you've... Um this morning you've got a, a glider that's just come back from having its annual maintenance and uh, yep. I hadn't really thought about glider maintenance before but what's involved with an annual honoured glider? Uh, look, it's uh, typical I think and I'm, I hope I'm not belittling anyone here, it's a grease and oil change. Right. It's checking that everything's going okay. So it's a warrant of fitness uh, sort of uh, check and it's also um, lubrication of the flying controls and, and that sort of thing. For instance, um, our harness, the uh, safety harness, um, was not really up to par on this inspection. So the glider's back here, but the seat belts are not yet back. So we won't be able to fly it today or uh, until we get the seat belts back because they had to go out from the glider maintenance person to the specialised person who's approved to manufacture uh, seat belts. Right. And, and right now it's in the hangar. Uh, the wings are on trestles and there's about a dozen people there that are polishing the wings, which is... Yes, yes. Um, the... It would be very good if we polished them uh, annually, and I dare say that's another thing that I'll 
come down with a presidential uh, sort of suggestion is to the fact that uh, when we get them back from an annual inspection, typically they're in their trailers, uh, as we take them out we should polish them. And it will mean that we won't have to cut, uh, polish and wax, uh, then we'll just probably be able to do the polish and wax uh, there for it. And uh, yeah, it's a number of years since these two two-seat gliders that we have uh, were polished and uh, by golly, uh, the one that um, is polished here out in front of us now uh, is looking a treat. It yes. sure is, it sure is. Yep. Sun's glinting off it. Yep. Um, now, the other thing that I've noticed is uh, you've got some young members as well, and uh, I've talked with Aidan already, yes. and uh, um, it's, it's great to see young people coming through. Well, uh, we're certainly trying to encourage that, and that's from the top down, uh, from Gliding New Zealand as a whole, uh, is to encourage um, the clubs to engage youth members as it's known yep. um, and uh, it's actually quite mind-blowing to see how some of the young members whom we have here uh, not yet 16 so not uh, permitted to fly solo you can fly solo from 14 onwards but there's special dispensation for that yep. um, but uh, we've got some and there's a they are really, really good pilots, yeah. making correct decisions, just limited by the age um, factor. And um, that's, um, I can understand why that is, uh, but um, yes, there are exceptions and um, we're doing pretty well. Now, we've got one club member, uh, Derek Shipley, who's really um, engaging uh, these people, and um, uh, I don't know how he gets on to them or whatever, but, uh, it seems to be working. So we'll leave him to do that because he's obviously doing it properly. Yep. And we're using our winch more, which is a cheaper method of getting people into the air to uh, fly around the circuit and practice their circuits and landings. They do a little bit of upper air work off it as well. Uh, but that's a much cheaper way of getting into the air than using a tow plane. Yeah, sure. And, uh, just tell me about the landscape here. I mean, Matamata is a beautiful airfield. Oh, and, you know, yeah. what, what a place. Eh? Yes. We are, we are really uh, fortunate that it's here. Now, it was recognised back in the mid-60s uh, that this was a, um, uh, a good place for gliding, and the airfield has been considerably improved since then. The bones of it, the runway and so on, was all laid down uh, during World War II. Right. Uh, so we've got a very good, uh, long, wide, flat runway here, and a secondary runway, um, which is not quite as long or as wide, but nevertheless uh, completely usable and uh, it's well drained so we don't get bogged in the winter uh, at all um, and the gliding clubs um, formed a organization called the Matamata Soaring Center yep. and that owns the clubhouse that we're sitting on the veranda of now and some bunk rooms over here there are uh, eight or twelve bunk rooms uh, sitting there and they were all put up I'm not certain of the exact years, but it would have been uh, in the 70s, I believe. Okay. And uh, because when I was first down here as a, as a lad, there was just the old farmhouse and uh, so on. Yep. And, um, uh, but now these facilities are here, so there are good toilets and showers, um, uh, kitchen facilities, and the club rooms as well. And um, the Matamata Soaring Centre is made up of an amalgam of the clubs uh, here, and that was... Uh, in the day, Wangarei, Kaikoui, uh, Auckland Aviation Sports, operating from Whanuapai, um, Auckland Gliding Club, uh, Tauranga, Matamata, Taranaki, Taupo. I think I've covered them all. Yeah. Um, a couple of those clubs, oh, and Thames. And a couple of those clubs are no longer in existence. Uh, however, um, 
the Matamata Soaring Centre is alive and well. Brilliant, brilliant. So this is sort of the North Island centre for, for gliding? Maybe, it's one it? of the North Island centres. Um, the uh, Wellington Gliding Club um, a few years ago shifted out of Paraparaumu and across to Greytown uh, where they have established a, mainly a winching site there and set up new facilities. Um, the other area that's pretty good for gliding, that, or that area is pretty good for gliding, the Wairapa. Uh, the other area that's good for gliding is the Hawke's Bay and um, uh, centred there. Um, and of course there's Taupo and uh, Tauranga uh, as well. Taranaki have a good uh, organisation going there and they do some pretty good flying from there. Uh, the Auckland Gliding Club, um, we're quite frequently during the summer, we'll have the <coughs> Auckland Gliding Club guys fly, flying from Drury. We'll be down here, past here, heading down towards Taupo, and then later in the afternoon they're heading back home. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, there's quite a lot of gliding going on. Yeah, great. So for anyone who's interested in coming along and um, checking out the Piaku Club here at Matamata, um, what would you say? Well, we've got a website, and you can book on there to uh, let us know, book a trial flight. Um, and uh, that way, if the conditions change, if the weather precludes it or whatever, you'll be notified and talked to by the duty instructor at the time. And then it's come along and we uh, will do introductory flights for people who are not certain whether they want to join the club or not, but we'll make them a, um, a temporary member, um, which satisfies all the legal requirements, and we can give them some instruction, uh, and they can have a taste to see whether or not it's for them. Um, now it's a bit different from going to an aero club or a flying school because the duration of your flight depends so much on the weather conditions yes, yeah. and so you've got to be prepared to put a bit of time into it. Yeah. If you're coming along for one of those trial flights you should allow to be at the aerodrome for three hours. Okay, yep. Well fantastic, well it's a beautiful day and I'm sure that you're probably going to go flying later. Uh, yes, I am. Yep. Um, now, not because the soaring conditions look particularly well, but it's one of those things of a retaining currency. Yes. Uh, so uh, during the winter, uh, yep, uh, get airborne um, a couple of times a month. Um, not necessarily to do anything startling, but just to keep the current. Cool. Oh, well, I better let you go and uh, get ready then. What? Back to the polishing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Iggy. Yeah, thank really you, Dave. It. Cheers. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.